Out Loud Podcast with Wendell Miguel. just it's just a fact of of diff, as we as we present different perspectives so many people are so strong in trying to present their one perspective that we get lost in the fact and we write it off as semantics and we're like oh yeah whatever that's semantics if we disagree with it but actually really when it comes uh, when when we when we when we're really paying attention and we really know the word then we can discern between what's what and what's not, and and then we can actually really clarify what that definition and what for that whatever word it is or whatever is happening, we can clarify that, interpret that for ourselves, and let the Holy Spirit help us That's right. understand that. And so, what I want to say right here is, we've already started our discussion in the round table, even having a pretty <laughs> pretty good. We're talking about inheritance, some things, family mm-hmm. stuff. I love my family. And uh, if you've heard me talk, this is Wanda McGowan again today, and just thrilled with. I'm here with my two sons, my 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 son-in-law and my my born son, but they're both sons. I don't view them differently, but yet have different measures with both of them. So uh, we've been having a real discussion about about semantics and about um, you know how we understand things and. And uh, so anyway, we're glad to be with you here today. This is probably going to blow your mind because we're doing it a whole lot different. I don't know how much you're going to put in here. (laughs) We've been talking for about 45 minutes. Two shows worth that no one will ever hear. (laughs) So uh, anyway, we're just glad you're with us and hope this is a blessing to you. We try to be real with what we're doing. Um, uh, And so anyway, God bless you. Glad you're here. And I'm Dub, and yeah, I'm, I'm almost talked out now, so let's see how we keep going. <laughs> I said we've done about two shows worth, and let's see, you guys don't get to hear it. I do, so huh. Um, Mark. Yeah, well, I'm Mark. I'm Mark, and I, I got plenty to say. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> yeah. So what we're talking about today is, is you know, I was thinking about what I was going to do. I don't have a, a special guest, but my two sons are always special guests. And so, Aww. what I'm going to say is, uh, well, you are. And and what I'm saying is, is, is I kept thinking of the scripture. It says, "Will will a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul?" And uh, I kind of put a little different definition on that. And I'm thinking, if a man is a father, will he have sons everywhere and lose the whole of his sons and his whole household? And, and, and I've really been serious about that because a lot of the great ministers, a lot of people who have changed the world with spiritual awakenings, they, they opened the eyes of the world, but they lost their own families. And I'm concerned that, that I don't lose mine and that my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids get my inheritance of what my father fought for the first Christian in four generations and I'm not going to allow the enemy to take one of my family members if I have anything to do with it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his spirit. But I think we have responsibility as fathers to at least keep speaking. You never quit being a father no matter how old you get. Is that right, son? That's a fact. Yeah, I'm learning that one today. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Though my son's a father himself, he still values his daddy, and his daddy's still got a couple of thoughts. 
Yeah, a the, couple. You know? A couple. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's, what's, what's really interesting, this is, and I say this wasn't planned, but this is really what we've been talking about for the last at least four or five shows is just about, you know, your, your kids and keeping your kids not, not so much to have your destiny, but to be in the kingdom instead of just a clone of yourself. So it's, 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 it's different. But this is really interesting how we're just kind of going on that anyway. Well, and, and again, son, you know, you grew up in the church and, uh, you know, had good foundations. But, man, the, the world has moved so far away to the world it was when you were a young kid. And I've been real concerned that my grandkids don't have any sense of God at all in their school systems, bombarded with what they get on TV. So if we don't give it to them in the homes, they're not going to get it. They're not going to know how to balance it. Because the whole world is wanting to have an explanation scientifically. The truth is, faith has got nothing to do with science, even though it's scientific. There's scientific phenomenon that happens from faith. But faith starts with hope. Hope, hope, hope. is a, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, which means you don't have any facts. You know, facts are one thing, but truth is another. And, uh, Can you go into that actually a little bit? Yeah, because there's all kinds of facts. It might be a fact that it's raining outside, and it might be flooding out there, and and everybody will say, oh, I hate this weather. But the truth is that water is going to saturate the ground, and it's going to drain into the tributaries and the lakes, and it's going to become a blessing and a resource later on to water the dry fields and to give uh, pleasure to people in lakes. The truth is it brings joy more than a dark, gloomy day. That's the fact. Mm -hmm. That's one example. I could go after there's a lot of things that science says this is a fact, but it's not the truth. It might be a fact that some people try to teach we evolved from monkeys because we look like them. But the truth is God made us in his image. If it said he made a monkey, the scripture would say he made a monkey. But he didn't make a monkey, even though some of you might look in the mirror and wonder if that's not true. <laughs> Come on. Present company excluded, of course. Hillary Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, he was pointing at me when that happened. <laughs> but, but, but the truth of it is, we were made in his image, which means he doesn't have necessarily the same lines. But the spirit that's in us is his image. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're right. supposed to be going after, not the fact that we were a monkey who went from walking on all fours to our hind legs. That's just not, that's a fact. But the truth is, no, we're human beings who were made in God's image. I don't care how much stones they overturn, they still can't figure it out, even though there's maybe similarities. And, yeah. and certainly our anatomy and our, and our structure has changed over years. That's just the process of... of of, of, of change, of element change, of societal change, of, of different pressures that we have. But we still are in the same form. And I just use this example on that. Like uh, when we travel to Peru, we go up into the Andalaya Mountains, uh, way up in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, as we were sitting in those mountains, all those folks are real short. They're all, there's not the big ones are about five foot four inches. Mm-hmm. They got a real kind of beefy structure, but they got have very large chests. And uh, when you get up at that altitude of twelve thousand feet, 
Uh, it's very difficult to breathe for mm-hmm. us that are used to, to lowlanders, not, not highland. And then as I started talking to some of the people there, they said, well, the people there over the, over the years and over the, the necessity of living in those mountains, their bodies change. And they, uh, I was told that they have, I think, a pint more blood and their hearts are about a third bigger really? than most people. Mm-hmm. That's how come their heart can pump the blood and keep the oxygen. They have to have, mm-hmm. be able to have more volume to keep the oxygen content. So, you know, just because there's a difference of adaption doesn't mean that we're, we're changing into monkeys or came from monkeys. They adapt to wherever they're living. It's well, pretty interesting, yeah, isn't it? See, this is something that the church does need to, because we really do need to embrace because of the fact that, you know, you look at, in America, 200 years ago, you look at the early houses, all the doorstops were shorter because we were shorter because of the nutrition and all that other stuff. And by the church denying that there's ever been any change, it's honestly, it's made us look like fools a little bit because it's like there's change right there. Whether you want to use the word evolution or not, which I know we don't because it does mean different things. It's to different not evolution. People, is, but it is change. It's change. And I say it's, if we deny that fact, it really does make us as Christians look Foolish. Okay, and see when we talk about fact, the fact mm-hmm. is we are different. The fact is the people in the Andalayan Mountains are different. bigger hearts and more blood. But the truth is they're still the same as us. And there's still people with a soul that when we go minister mm-hmm. in those mountains, they run to Jesus. We see miracles in those mountains. I have never been touched like I was. We were the only gringos. There was about 20 of us, the only gringos of about 250,000 people in this in this city, in the Andalaya Mountains. And, and what was shocking is where they, when they heard the good news, it didn't matter that they had a little bigger heart and had a little more blood. The truth was, the fact was, they had a little bit different anatomy, but the truth was they were still human beings. Do you get to, am I answering that question? That, that is, more? I say, that's something, as I say, I, I agree with you 100%. This is something we as the church do need to embrace. That's right. You know, it's to say, it's not, it's not heresy to say that we're changing. It's, it's, it, but it's it, not. But we don't, we're, see, when you say semantics, if you use evolution, that does mm-hmm. not, when you say that, that means we came from monkeys to most people's understanding. That's why we've got to redefine the words mm-hmm. and, and say what it is. I say, and as, as evolution, I mean as change, not as... That's right. Yeah, this, but if this, you say that, that's yeah. why you had arguments mm-hmm. that says no. And I would argue with that from what I learned in school. I didn't come from some stinking monkey. I was born mm-hmm. in God's image. That's the truth. But the fact is, I got blonde... Or when I had hair, I had blonde hair. And uh, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, and, and my son's a bit of a redhead. He's we got a little Irish blood in us. Uh, we all are, are a little bit different. We evolve differently, but we're not evolutionists. Mm-hmm. But we got to redefine some of these words. And it's just like we were talking earlier on before we started the program. You know, you say save to a, 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 a Latter Day Saint person, it means something totally different than it does to a Jehovah Witness or what it means to us as Christians. And we Christians need to see the semantics of this. You tell a, a Latter-day Saint, you ask them if they're saved, they'll say, yeah, because their definition of being saved is, is going to mission fields, marrying wives when that was legal, which I think they still do anyway, some of them, and uh, in some parts, in yeah, Colorado, here around us, here yeah. close to us in Vegas, there's a whole community of them up there. Mm-hmm. But, and, and then, but, but their whole idea the definition of the word saved was they followed joseph smith's teaching was which was anti-government 
was was anti-societal and was exclusive. They didn't even, for one season, even allow some races in into their church. Well, just just to clear up the word, actually, you're talking about the Mormons, the Church Latter-day Saints, not right. the Jehovah Witnesses. Just to clear it up in case anybody's... That's right. And Jehovah Witnesses, what they believe is is you had to had to follow the teaching of Rutherford, Judge Rutherford, and again, it was anti-government. The Mormons aren't anti-government, that's the Jehovah Witnesses, mm-hmm. anti-government, anti-birth they're exclusive. Days. If you don't believe like they do, you're not gonna make it. Uh, you know, saved to them, yeah. it, it means something totally different. But as a believer, as a lover of Jesus, and as we sit and we're talking earlier, I said, you know, tell me about your salvation. Now my son's been in my family, but I, I was trying to remember when he got saved. And he said, when was it? I was nine years old. And do you remember what time of year it was about? I don't. I just remember I was actually in, a, of all places, I was in the bathtub and listening to something on the radio. And I, I came to the realization, like, wow, you know, I, I go to church and all that, but that doesn't make me saved. And that's... Okay. So what happened to you in the bathtub besides uh, you getting wet? Um, well, you know, in, in the teaching that I've always learned, you know, I, I sat there and I, I realized this and then I, and I said the prayer, you know, whatever words those were, but I said the prayer and I was like, okay, this is it. Okay. That's, this is where I'm supposed to be. Not, I'm not, and I, th- I think the word even I used as a nine-year-old was I'm not a pretender now. Yeah. But see, and here, here's the deal, but see, you felt the spirit of the Lord, mm-hmm. even though you said, this is the way I come the truth to how I come to the salvation. The fact yeah. was, you learned, you realized that day in the bathtub that you needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. The truth was, the Holy Spirit was prompting you to think about. It. There was no reason for you to think about that, except the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. was prompting. Not some preacher preaching a hellfire damnation sermon to yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't get the emotional one that a lot no, of people get. No, but, but 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 it was emotional because mm-hmm. you knew there was a change. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, eight or nine. And uh, my mom and dad uh, got saved when we moved to Florida. And um, that was when I was about six. And uh, as we got, got going, I, I remember, I didn't, I didn't remember it as a uh, experience. I think I was in a church service, but I, I kind of did it on my own and just was like, you know, Jesus come into my heart. And, and that was, and, and I knew, you know, I mean, just there was a difference. I know that. Mm-hmm. And you were only nine years old. Yeah. See, and there was some, as we were sitting here talking earlier, I realized that all of us, I, I came to Jesus when I was nine. I was in our junior class, and our pastor came in to preach to us. And I remember feeling the weight, some kind of weight inside of me. And I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it. I didn't see no lightnings. I didn't hear no shouts. I just felt a weight. I realized this man I'd been hearing about Jesus, I need to receive. And I received Jesus at nine. There's something about a nine-year-old and it really is a time when a child has an encounter that'll shift everything. And I got saved when I was nine, and we all were talking earlier too. We all kind of walked away from God too for yeah. a long mm-hmm. time. See, I always, I almost, I call it, I really, uh, Jesus was my savior when I was nine, but he became my Lord when I was 25. That's when I recommitted my life to Jesus totally, yeah. mm-hmm. and I've never turned back. And my whole call, and I surrender to the call of God, is to redefine what the kingdom of God is. Not to say that everything was wrong, but there's a lot of things we've received by innuendo, by presumption, or even by semantics that mean one thing. And they literally, if you look at it from a little different view, mean something else. Like we were talking about the Big Bang Theory. 
You see, that's that's something a lot of people buy, but to many people, that's just a scientific explanation to how things happen. And the fact is, the Bible don't say there was a big bang. It says there was great chaos on the earth, and it says God picked up the dirt and breathed in it. And God brought form, the Holy Spirit brought form and order. Now, mm-hmm. there could have been a bang. I'm just going to go to that conclusion. I don't see anywhere in the scripture there could be the implication in that. That's the truth. The truth is God breathed. Mm-hmm. The fact is there was a lot of chaos, which it could have been a lot of banging, a rock and rolling, rocks falling, everything out of order, everything not finding a place until God breathed. And that's how we know we're saved. We get the breath of God, even though we may not feel a wind. Some people, I've heard all kinds of testimonies mm-hmm. of how yeah. people got saved. But most of us, we just felt the gentle touch that I know that I was born for something, and he is the one that put what I'm here for to happen. And if without him, I can do nothing. You know, I remember my dad's favorite song, without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely die. And, and, and I, I say those words and I almost come to tears because I remember hearing my dad sing those songs and it just touched me because it meant something to my dad. He was the first Christian in four generations. So, you know, that's just kind of a side mm-hmm. issue we're talking about today. And we're talking... You know, that with, with how kids are bombarded today in school and, and the TV and the whole world with this ISIS thing. Come on, they're trying to kill and they're trying to take every reason there is to martyr away from us. Unless you know who you are, you won't be martyred for Jesus. You'll just buy the fact and not the truth. Yeah. I hope I'm explaining that. Well, I mean, can you can you talk a little bit on, on, uh, on the element of of science versus faith then like there like because because I, I think that's that's where we're that's where we're missing it okay a, a lot in school mm-hmm. well here, here's the deal they don't teach what i call the full council of science years ago i was kind of like my son i was real inquisitive i i didn't buy everything that i was told but 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 i i trusted a lot too i mm-hmm. trusted trust is what faith's definition is you trust in something even though you can't get the facts all around. But I went and listened to a scientist one time, many years ago, I was probably in my late 20s, and he had been a guy that had tried to prove the Bible wrong. Mm. And what he did, again, I couldn't go that because I'm not scientifically in the way I think, but this guy did this whole presentation of a scientist. He was a, he was a, uh, a physicist, and he gave this whole thing of how he tried to prove God did not exist. And when he started putting all of these formulas together, he saw there was so much order and it all came back to seven. In other words, that's the number of God perfection. Again, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I wished I could remember that thing and I, and I wished I had a tape of it because it to me, even though I know I'd had an experience with the Lord, he was bringing science in to say, even science is valuable because it'll prove God exists if they'll follow the equation out. He said most people will not follow the equation out. Mm-hmm. They take what looks like the fact, but they won't discover the truth. And the truth is God is in everything. Yeah. And uh, he, mm-hmm. he just showed all kinds of th- I was just so amazed. You would have loved that. You, were even, you weren't even born yet. Uh, I no. was a youngster. In your 20s, nope. Yeah. <laughs> So I, 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 I can only say that science, God made science. God put everything in order. God is a precise God. God is a scientific God. But it takes faith to understand there's some things you can understand. Just like 
I'm trying to explain to you what a scientist taught me years ago, that when I saw it presented, I could not question anymore. And when somebody tried to argue a scientific argument with me, it didn't make any difference because that scientist proved to me how God was behind everything. Yeah. And it wasn't some you know, presumption. He mm-hmm. proved it scientifically. Again, my mind doesn't work that way, but, but it is there if they will pursue it. The problem is, is when they're saying we have global warming. That's the biggest crock of baloney. We have no control over the weather. Our God, our prayers, and our destinies dictate what weather patterns we're in. It is not something we can change. Now, there's, we can keep from polluting the air. I'm not in disagreement with that. But we cannot change the weather patterns. Uh, and you can, you can prove that scientifically. You can go back thousands of years and prove we've had hot and cold seasons throughout history. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing we can do about it. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but science, God's in it. And if you approach it that way, well, with faith to believe God's behind it, you'll discover he's in everything. Well, let's take this, your, your, your case in point that you just did. There's one, there's one person who, who read through that for you that, that, that really hit home for you as to these arguments. And, and, and you can discern on the other side because you, you, you had it explained it well enough for somebody with some authority to be able to, to figure out and hey, knowledge and, and knowledge, knowledge and facts, right. And to, to go, okay. <laughs> and now we, now we start looking. Um, I, you know, I'll uh, just friends that are global warming nuts and absolutely love it. <laughs> they <laughs> absolutely love it. That's, I've never heard that. Before. Nobody, nobody get mad at us. That's our, that's our semantic right here. <laughs> Actually, I know for my friends that I'm talking about, that's my definition for them. <laughs> I'm not saying that about everybody else that believes in it. <laughs> I'm saying it for these specific friends I'm thinking of, and and how they they actually the, their approach to it is as if that is the religion. That's what they believe that's in. That's exactly what they've done. And they made scientists a re, science a religion. So our faith now humanism, all that stuff comes yeah. around, dances around that. There, there's no hope. Now there, that there is a, we're going to die in a great, great, oh, we're going to be covered with water because this is, a, all the glaciers are going to, oh man, this is awful. And, and they're just not, there's no, but they, they wake up in the morning and nothing's changed. Nothing's happening. They're okay. And, and they, but they're, they're projecting something years out that they, that they're just believing a, a group of scientists and everything else is, is doing but they're projecting something. They're not. They're. They're not actually. There's no. There's no proof in 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 in, in the fact that okay. So we we have some facts in a defined way. There are also contrary science. But when we come back down to it, they're taking it how they personally. This is what I'm concerned about. Is what they're taking it as is as if it's it, as if that's part something to believe in. Well, and see here's. Let, let me just give you a good definition of the difference between facts and truth. A fact, if you leave it unresolved, most of the time will lead to a measure of fear. Scripture says God had to give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. It's a spirit. It's not the emotion. The emotion of fear is not sin. But the spirit of fear, which means 
I've drawn a conclusion that makes me afraid. All the stuff we're hearing all these guys say and these doomsday prophets, I'm sick of. Right. Listen, this is the greatest hour we could ever have lived in mm-hmm. and are living in. We're in the greatest season where God's going to reveal himself when it looks like God's being removed from everything, but he's going to raise up in the midst of it like we've never seen. It's going to happen in our children's children. That's why I'm concerned for yeah. my grandkids. Mm-hmm. They're going to be voices of change, but I'm going to be one while I still live. And the truth of it is, you see, that stuff, but the truth is, See, it might be cold today, but it's going to warm up in the next season. And I'm always looking for the hope of a sunny day. And that's in everything we do. Science, a lot of times, will just, and I'm not talking about every element of science, but when they come to a conclusion that if we don't do this, then there's judgment. Because that's what really is underneath the global warming. It's about judgment. It is. And God's Mm -hmm. not a God of judge. God's the God of hope and redemption. He right. does not, when we get on his, his, his ark, mm-hmm. we are safe no matter how bad the storm is. Well, see, a lot of this is, you know, just the generational fear that gets passed down to pass down. For instance, when I was younger, we had the killer bees, we had AIDS, we had um, all these just horrific things were going to destroy the world and everyone's going to die. Those are all good and before you, in your generation, you had the A bomb. You guys had, uh, you know, your bomb test where you, everyone had to go jump oh, yeah. under the, the big bear yeah. Russia. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I wouldn't even think of this. So you're bringing up a and good just point. Generationally, yes. every generation believes they're the last generation. Yep. Yeah. And so that's that's just that fear that gets passed from generation to generation. You know, sooner or later something's going to get us. <laughs> and by the way, this yeah. is an exclusive only to Jesus, the church. Ultimately, yeah. the truth is only Jesus is going to get us. Yeah. But the elements say, might be a source. A if he's, yeah. There's just been a fear that's passed from generation, and we've passed that down to our kids, yeah. whether we want to or not. It's we feel like we have to be in crisis mode. The whole society. The whole society. society. Yeah. yeah. Society has to feel like they're in crisis mode at all times. That's right. You know, and, and, and what's funny is the church likes sometimes, and the doomsday guys, they like to think it's mutually exclusive just to the church and what's what's interesting is is that you look i mean you go on the history channel and something's going to be doomsday you know mm-hmm. something every single of uh, every other episode and then and the other episodes are hitler so right <laughs> basically yeah and so so there's a there's there's some level and by the way there's another generational like fear fear, fear yeah. of uh, of another hitler coming up or something like that and you just sit there and well you we've go, got a lot of types of that right now we do we do and we got a lot of that kind of thinking that's mm-hmm. that's coming back around and um we should be cautious of that we need to be be cautious but i'm not gonna go run i'm gonna face it hey you know we this is where in our last episode we were talking about being prayerful Mm-hmm. And talking about praying for our nation and, and praying for those in, in leadership and, and that kind of intercession. I got to tell you, prayer works. Let's go. I mean, and that, this is part of the faith, though. It's like, are we going to get caught up in in trying to define our destruction for whatever is going to make us feel comfortable so we can go to sleep at night and just have that nightmare that we that we didn't want anyway? Or are we gonna are we gonna have faith and start praying and have a, and live a life of of kingdom and the fact that Jesus is the one <laughs> and hope? See, hope. There's no science for hope. Hope is something you choose to receive. If we look at all the facts, we're gonna run and hide. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. I hope we're getting this emphasis of facts, the truth. The truth is. Jesus is my shield. Jesus is my fortress. In him I put my trust. That's faith, but it's hope. And hope 
produces joy and a resolution to overcome the fear that would want me to hide. Mm -hmm. Faith gives you courage. Anybody that's out there in the church, we're talking somatics. You know, you grew up in the church when we were, I never did dig, although I was kind of that preacher when I first started because that was all the models of hellfire and brimstone Mm -hmm. and scare the hell out of people to get them to the altar. And, And honestly, I think people really got saved then. Yeah. But the truth of it is they got saved under fear and all those people we've been working for 25 years to get the fear off of them so they could learn how to receive the love of Papa to take his kiss rather than duck thinking he's going to whip us. And that's the difference in semantics. We're going to go back to that semantic thing. That was a good subject we've been talking about today. See, the semantic has changed. Mm -hmm. I'm not scaring people. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting them. I'm making them. I'm making them jealous to get a get a kiss. Yeah. See, people can't automatic. Most people can't automatically hear God. Right. That's why we need the Word of God because the Word of God, or what He said, but He's trying to teach us to hear what He's saying, and that is a now word. Most people get blocked if you've been hurt, if you've been disillusioned, even if you got a semantic that says I can't hear God, you won't hear God. Right. But when you start to realize I'm one of his kids and he wants to talk to me because he's always talking, then I start to hear God. And I can start just like I heard mm-hmm. last night when we was talking about the subject earlier and I kept hearing the Lord, will a man you know, gain the whole world to lose his own soul? And the Lord said, come come, and let's just talk about a couple of things we were needing to address of our, of our, of our children and grandchildren. It was letting me know I had to hear God to redefine a semantic, though I know there was not intentional error we've got facts we give people but we need to always be making everything truth to them does that make sense yeah and that's all i was trying to get across this listen we're in an hour where you got to know god and you got to have an intimate relationship with him that's why i was asking about being saved what's Mm -hmm. saved do saved says my ears get opened to hear the voice of the lord sometimes it's very difficult if you grew up in a theological background like i did we were all taught that God doesn't talk like that anymore. You just get everything just from Scripture. Well, you do. That's a good place to start. But the fact is, when you start hearing the voice of the Lord, and let me tell you something, the devil speaks on the same plane as God. And you know what? The only thing you can do to discern it is to know the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, the devil can deceive you and make you think. And, and get. we got all these delusions in the church. Yeah. People thinking, well, I don't have to tithe anymore. I don't have to give anymore. God says we're going to start choosing. We're going to have we're going to have sex between people in the church. I mean, there's churches that I know I've ministered in where where they start picking different partners. They have swinging parties in churches because they're under grace. They don't know what the biblical term of grace is. Grace is God's power to overcome temptation. That's what it is or to overcome a difficulty. It's not just God's unmerited favor. It is. It is certainly that, but it's more than that. You don't need grace for something you've already got disciplined to overcome. Mm -hmm. You need grace for the things you don't, just like Mm -hmm. today. We're getting some new measures of grace. You know, we talk about stuff. I don't like challenging my son because he's a great dad, but I challenged him on a couple of things this morning before we started. Again, he's dad, and I'm going to respect that, whatever he does. But as his dad... I feel like I've got a mandate from God to protect the inheritance that I'm passing down to him and I want my grandsons to have. And I know they're going to get it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And uh, 
So today, I just I just feel like there's so many people, there's so many like real good performers. There's a lot of entertainers in the pulpits. Now again, you know what? If you're a preacher of the gospel, you're an entertainer. Sorry. Right. I hear all this oh, yeah. baloney of people, you know, in church. And I grew up in a real fundamental background, but man, I'm so glad I'm out of out of the restrictions of religion and into life. Man, that's what Jesus said. I came to give you life. And I'm so glad we live there. But the fact is, people say, well, you guys shouldn't worship like that. You act like an entertainer. Give me a break. Anybody that speaks has got to be a measure of an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a gift that God puts in you. Now, as long as you're not motivated trying to get self-attention, but use the gift to entice and to, and to bring people to a place of understanding, that's what it's about. That is what I've it's about. I've been under all kinds of boring preachers, and I'm not going to stay there more than two Sundays. Are you guys with me? Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, they're, they're good Bible, solid Bible teachers, but maybe if there's not something to intrigue me, to entice me, I'm not talking about some phony baloney, but a gift that God God puts. You know what gifts mean? The word, it's charismas, which means charisma. Charismaton is one of the, is your motivation. The gift that you have that's for the world is called a charismaton. Charisma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't have charismaton, you're not going to draw draw anybody you know you know son just like my granddad my dad was a very solid man and when you was one-to-one with him you couldn't be more intrigued with wisdom than my dad but if you wanted to be entertained in a group you get around my grandpa oh yeah my grandpa boy he'd charm snakes into submission literally literally (laughs) i'm a lot like my grandpa i love my grandpa i led him to jesus at 76 years old Hey, that's a miracle. I led my grandma to Jesus when she was 59. Why? Because my dad gave me an inheritance of his salvation when he was 26. I got it at nine. And God waited till I grew up because my daddy loved his daddy, but he wouldn't listen to him. But God gave me the privilege. That's why loving Jesus is way more than going to church for me. Yeah. It's about life. Mm-hmm. Does that make? I'm really on a tangent here. No, that's it. I'm actually kind of enjoying this. But I, let, let me kind of move us back for a second. <laughs> just kind of what you were talking about earlier with the, um, just what with grabbing hope versus fear, because without hope, you know, you have no no reason to go on. You're waiting to die, basically. Well, and fear that's, and that's takes what the, the fear foundation. Does. Fear takes the vacuum Ooh. of where there's no hope. Hey, there it is. See, that's a yeah. fact. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. The fact is. Fear will take the vacuum of where there's no hope. But the truth is, faith is in hope and you can't see it. And you can't scientifically prove it. But if you have hope, you'll stay there long enough till you see the end result. Like I talked about the rain. Here in Vegas, when it rains, every street floods. You've never Everyone. seen anything like it. Yeah. I mean, I was raised in Northern California, but I was shocked when I moved to Vegas. It can rain five minutes and every street in Vegas is a river. Water from sky. And don't in, know how to drive. Oh, 15 minutes. I mean, it washes cars away and everything else. It does. It does. But in, in, in 15 or 20 minutes, it's all gone. But they they made all these tributaries and these lakes around it. See, mm-hmm. the fact was they knew they had to res- they had to catch that water so they could be hope later on when it was dry. Right. And they've got all these reservoirs. And we were told, I read in the paper last week, that though there's a drought all over the, the West Coast, they said Vegas has enough water for eight years if we don't get another drop because of the way that they made hope manifest. And uh, uh the bottom line is, sorry about I that. I just spilled my coffee. I got too excited. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, so you get the picture. See that 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 hope thing. You you hope when it rains that that water is going to be recycled back to come back and water and fill the fountains of beauty, Bellagio fountains, all the beautiful things, the yards, everything here. You don't see all the water police running around Vegas here, even though you know. There's a little bit, but it's not like what we see in California, where oh, everything's yeah. right up. Golf courses are beautiful. Everything here is because they've turned the hope into manifestation. Now it's a fact that we can say, okay, now we can build more hope by making sure that we don't waste anything so that we run out later on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it actually just brought something to my mind. Like how you said that is that because we have hope for this, it results in another extension of that to hope for another. And I feel like I feel like part of our if we keep focused on like say our doom and gloom destruction that this is a point A to point B that we all must focus on trying to eliminate that point B and we have to get there the, the when we miss all it's like missing the forest for the trees that that you 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 end up looking at and missing all the hope in the little things that you do along the way and you see this in great leaders um at, 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 at in CEOs and other people they will not they focus on the details and they look at what's just ahead and 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 focusing on what the hope of what that next moment is and that next next element to to push push us in the right direction because they know they understand the concept that once once there is a hope a testimony that's come out and come out about that 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 next thing there's there's it just hope builds on more hope okay, now let me let me just make this point you see when you have fear you quit dreaming and you quit creating and you quit looking for resolutions if you want to know what i'm not going to say what political party to line up with but if you're with a political party that all they're trying to do is fix the now problem instead of hope of the potential of the future you're with the wrong party you're thinking, and now again, we don't talk politics a lot, but I'm just saying, if you're lining up with certain points and measures of thinking, if it's always measured from we got to fix this thing or else, no, we need to do that. We need to look at that. But the fact is, you see, God made us creative. We're made in God's image means we are made to be resolvers of solutions. And we're supposed to have round tables, like what's the whole focus mm -hmm. of what we're doing here, right. mm -hmm. to get a lot of different ideas. And this is how we'll get hope that's really faith that'll start being a blessing for everybody that's lined up behind us that can't dream yet or have lost their dreams. We're supposed to be, as kingdom people, dreamers that never quit dreaming and never quit looking for resolution that becomes a fact. And here's the deal about the science. We've been talking about this deal. See, when you start hoping, then you'll start to dream, for instance, one of the greatest pieces of equipment that we see here in Las Vegas, the greatest, there's some of the most beautiful architecture you've ever seen here in Vegas, these big monstrous buildings and the architecture is phenomenal. But do you know why they can build all those big buildings? Because somebody had a dream at the turn of the century and they built one building, they drew a picture, they were dreaming of a building to build. You know what that building was? The Flamingo? Huh? The Flamingo? No, 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 Empire. not here in Vegas. Oh, okay. Empire. The Empire oh. State Building. Yes. But the problem was they did not have the equipment to build an edifice that tall. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And once they drew the picture, that was the fact. They started dreaming, and they invented a piece of equipment that changed all of our landscape. You know what that piece of equipment was? The crane. The crane. So that they could lift that stuff. It changed everything. And that's a fact. Yeah. And now we're building these edifices that are just breathtaking. Mm-hmm. But that's just one. Pr- Again, we're, we're kind of comparing the science to faith. See, the guy that dreamed the dream, who drew the picture, didn't have a clue how he was going to build it, but he was dreaming. He was hoping for something bigger than the one-story or two-story buildings they were building. He was wanting to build something. And even to this day, even though the Empire State Building, Empire State Building is very small comparatively. Yeah. If they had not made that one dream and made the piece of equipment, all of the architecture that we see all over the earth would not be accomplished because people would not dream no more. That's, and that was fear. See, fear was why people didn't build before because they had fear going up higher. They couldn't build mm-hmm. scaffolding up that high. They couldn't know how to make it strong enough to hold the weight of all of the beams and all of the wood and all the structure. Anyway, I'm kind of hammering that. Well, see, what's, what's interesting about that is just kind of the way you're wording that. You know, fear is not a curse. Fear is, is necessary. It's, it's part of your life. It's, it needs to be there. Otherwise, you have nothing to overcome. And if you have nothing to overcome, there's no hope. Okay, see, uh, see I'm glad you said it, because see, fear we put as a sin. Now, the mm-hmm. spirit of fear is. There's a difference, and I'm not going to well, teach on that. Well, the spirit of fear makes you run away and hide, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of the political parties are doing. They're trying to put fear in a mass of people to get them to throw in the towel and say we're never going to make it. Even the people that talk about America, America's going to become greater than she's ever been. Right. I'm telling you, this is the moment of a new doorway, and it looks like there's no hope because, and see, and some of us have been afraid. I mean, I get afraid, but I don't surrender and let it become a spirit that makes me quit dreaming. Right. And then when I quit dreaming, I get around people. I got I'm around some pretty influential people and there's some stuff happening that nobody's hearing about yet that are just phenomenal. And they haven't got all the pieces together, but I think we're going to see some things that's going to shock everybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. If we don't give in the towel. But this whole atmosphere that we especially what we got in America and really around the world is well global warming. We're we're doomed. There's nothing we can do about it or you know, we our, our kids are rotten, or guns are the problem, or whatever it is, and that's just a bunch of baloney. It's not that. It's about dreaming. It's knowing how to use the tools and the resources that God gives us. I'll tell you, I, I don't think we've seen anything yet. We've got, you know, right this morning, I'm, I'm just praying, I'm declaring Kim Clement is probably one of the most profound prophets that God sent to America that we've ever had the privilege to receive, and he's Recovering, and he's having a very quick recovery, but he's still going to be a while with a massive stroke before he gets up. And see, he was one voice. And here's the peculiar thing about Kim Clement. He did not know a lot of what he was saying, but he was releasing hope and dreams in people in America. And he was from South Africa. See, I can trace this back to revival because South America was influenced by a man named John G. Lake who preached the gospel, who Kim Clement's Mother and father were touched by John G. Lake's ministry and his honor for America of John G. Lake's releasing of the gospel in South America. He brought it back to this nation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there, there's mm-hmm. something going on. This, this thing's bigger. I can show you all kinds of stories like this. The same thing with Toronto. A lot, a lot of stuff that's happening. But here's the deal. See, he's, he's out 
right now. And I really feel like it's the Lord's given him a rest because he has fought by himself of hope for America. And it's time for a generation to come up and be the prophetic voices. That instead of speaking the facts of what looks like doom and gloom, put hope out there. Mm-hmm. Change the semantics. Is that the right word? Yeah, semantics. Yeah. Semantics. Change the semantics. Yeah. Quit putting doom mm-hmm. and gloom. Let's change the definition like I was using the examples of being saved and all kinds yeah. of stuff. I, I just feel like this is our greatest hour. We're just about yeah. out of time. You know, I'm... I, I, oh, man. <laughs> Go You're ahead. Right. We'll do another session. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Well, then, okay. Let's put a pin in it. Let's wrap up then. Um, get a hold of us at the Living Out Loud podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get your letters. Um, and we'll see you next week, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And just start dreaming. I mean, I hope this yeah. stimulated. This is just a... This was just a... A springboard of what we were talking about just in our personal journey but this is what a round table is it's about you know, i mean you can see we're all dreaming a little bit more yep. yep so anyway i want you to dream share some of your dreams with us write in email us do something we're excited and privileged to be able to speak so god bless you and and get back with us because i think this was just a stimulus for what we're going to talk about next week and until next time i'm dub i'm mark and i'm wendell god bless god bless Hey, thank you for listening to the Living Out Loud podcast with Wendell McGowan. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at livingoutloudpodcast at gmail.com or search out Streams of Many Waters on Facebook. Be blessed and we'll see you next time. show you've just heard is part of the Streams of Many Waters podcast network.